Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Adam Stenko out West. We appreciate all the ratings and reviews like this one from Tony Richards, 899. The headline is better than, and then there's just a blank spot, and it says, fill in the blank with anyone else talking hoops. These guys are the ones. Tony Richards, 899. We appreciate it. Although I was not correct on the Raptors tomorrow's headline today when we did the division by division previews, 17 and 5 without Kawhi. Mm, well, Raptors are pretty good without Kawhi, without Kyle Lowry also. Adam, last week got into the Suns culture, and it's wild what Monty Williams has done. And then I said, well, let's wait till after this six-game homestand. Right. As we record this on Monday, it's 2-1 and one on the six-game homestand. They've got the Lakers, the Hawks, and the Celtics. And then also, Adam, your boy Kobe White is officially looking for stalkers at this point. Yeah, it's been a it's been a rough stretch for Kobe White shooting the basketball, especially from three. I'm seeing way too many 0 for 5, 1 for 5 nights, 1 for 6, 1 for 7. Uh, from deep, he, he's lost some confidence. I'm not worried, though. I'm leading the charge right now. So the bandwagon, it's open. It's right here where I'm standing or sitting, as in this case. So if you happen to uh, have gotten off the bandwagon and you want to get back on, there's now plenty of room. Very comfortable. You can easily find a seat uh, right behind me. Let's lead with the back in my day talk. And what spurred this along for me, Adam, is that on Tuesday, Knicks are at the Bulls. So anytime there's a, well, back in my day from a player or even a fan, and then they crush today's game. It always goes back to all oh, those Knicks Bulls rivalries. And I've said it before that if aliens came down, they would think that the Knicks won every single title in the 1990s. And it's just <laughs> not the case. They actually didn't win any. Okay. And the Knicks have won one playoff series win since 2002. It's almost like. They're almost like the Cleveland Browns when you go back and look at like where the Cleveland Browns were, Adam. Mm-hmm. When So the Cleveland Browns last won a playoff game back in 1995. It was New Year's Day, 1995. I went back and looked at it. The Knicks were actually in the midst of an eight-game winning streak at that point. So, so that, I guess, was the height of, oh, my God, all these championships the Knicks have won while the Browns, I don't even know what fans, sports fans were doing at that point. Like the, the Browns had won a playoff game. And then they haven't won one since, and the Knicks have, well, haven't been garbage since, but it has been a long time, just one playoff series win in 17 years. There's too much of the conversation about back in my day. And my feeling is, if you want to crush today's NBA so much, and this comes from guys who are, have national platforms or are broadcasters for teams, what are you doing? I'm not saying just promote today's game, but stop denying the science and the evolution of thinking and the way that basketball is played. There, there is an insecurity, and actually, it goes both ways. I've, I've seen it obviously from from people who who are now getting into the media who who talk about how bad basketball was. You hear the oh, Michael Jordan was playing against you know four janitors. Uh, you know, you know, and Sam Perkins or something, you know, it's thrown out there. I, I, so there's, there's that part, but, um, so it runs both ways. I think it is an insecurity though, of somehow giving credit to today's players, to today's game, to how things have evolved, to 
the idea of of what analytics means and the influence of analytics to, to give credit to any of those things now somehow in some way takes away or detracts from what happened back in the day. And that's that's just weird to me. I mean, I get being wistful for the John Tesh music. I get, you know, missing the days where, you know, it, it meant something to us as kids. I had heard someone once say it, and I think I might have even brought it up to you before, Noah. But someone once said it to me, and I, it's always stuck with me, the idea that no athletes will ever be as great in your mind as the ones you you saw and were fans of when you were 10 years old. Because totally, you totally just hit this age where you're, you're idolizing. And so because of that, they, they're larger than life to you. And so they'll never reach that, that pinnacle for you. But, you know, so there's different perspectives. But I, I think the, the Knicks point is one that's really wild and lost in all this. The, the, you're right. Their run of futility has been just amazing. And, and, and the thing is, too, is that it hasn't just been the idea of them competing for championships or being one of the best teams in the East since the Ewing era, but also this idea that every free agent has to have the Knicks at the top of their list. If I hear another person ask Kevin Durant about his decision, like, well, we all thought you were going to the Knicks. And he just says, you guys assumed I was going there. Like, did it? And the, the questions are always, did you think about it? How much thought did you put into it? How close were you? It's like, that's what everyone sort of wants. And I love Madison Square Garden. It's wonderful to watch a game there. The Big East tournament back in the day was phenomenal there. But like, it's it it's not enough to draw free agents in. It really isn't. And it's it's not even been something that's happened as of late. And so just this idea that the Knicks are somehow this special team that is one free agent away and every free agent is so close to coming here, but something happened and caused them not to. And there was a detour is always what, what blows my mind. Right. It's three winning seasons since the 2002 playoffs, three winning seasons. Say no more. Not, Say no more. And, and coming up for the Knicks. And I want, I want, I do want to get back to the, just the nineties conversation coming up. They've got Dallas on Thursday and that's, so, so Kristaps Porzingis is going to be back in the building, and this is coming off what we saw on Sunday night when Jim Dolan forced Scott Perry and Steve Mills to go out and address the media before yes. David Fisdale did. And, and if you don't really understand how it all works, so there's when the game ends, there's about 10, 15 minutes. It's called a cooling-off period for the head coach and, and for the players before the locker room opens. And then the coach comes out and addresses the media. So for a GM and a president to do this on a game night, and they were – trotted out there by Jim Dolan is completely against the norms, but that's what the Knicks do. They, I, I don't even want to say for better or for worse, it's for worse. They are against the norms. So they've got KP in the building on Thursday. They've got Charlotte and Cleveland. So there's, there's three more games here that, and this is then after the Bulls, they've got to win at least two of those games. If not, then I think all hell breaks loose. Then they're at Philly. San Antonio, Brooklyn on a back-to-back, at <laughs> Toronto, Philly, Boston at Milwaukee on a back-to-back, and then against Denver. So if they don't get a win, if they don't get at least two wins over the next four, I don't know when they're going to get their next win because they're certainly not going to be favored in any of these games. So it would be a matter of some of these star players taking a night off. And that's what takes us back to, yes, I want to see the stars playing every night. That's something that we did see back in the day. And, th- and I appreciate that. But if the player is being told, hey, it would be better for you 
And of course, if you don't play, you're not going to get hurt. You'll extend your career. It's going to be better for you to not play in this game. If I'm the player, sure, I want to be playing. But at the same time, wait a second. So you're going to tell me I'm still going to get paid. My career is going to be longer. I'm not going to get hurt. And I don't have to play in this game. Okay, I'll take it. Because then as a player, you can say, well, this is, it's not me, it's the team. And then the team can, quote unquote, take the hit for it. And the player is not going to seem as soft. So if the players themselves, and we've talked about this before, Adam, that the league has, the league hates the term load management and has done everything in the schedule, in their powers of the schedule to prevent this by giving the guys the ample time off. But if the teams are going to keep going to do it, I think the league is in a really, really tough spot. It is a tough spot. And I think you look at one guy in particular, and that's LeBron James. And we'll, we'll talk about LeBron in depth coming up in a, in a later segment. But you look at the idea that LeBron James is 34 years old and playing at the level that he's playing at. And that's sort of the a teaser for the, the topic that we're going to get into. But I think that's the part that the, the rest of the league sort of looks at and whether you are a a player who's trying to extend their career or whether you are a a coach that wants to win come playoff time um you know your your agents that understand that one more contract for your guy means all that much more money all those things come into play it's it's for the benefit of everyone but as you point out the league has sort of their own issues to deal with because they're trying to do what they can schedule-wise. And as long as we'll have back-to-backs in the NBA and as long as we're playing 82 games, the coaches and players are going to find a way to maximize uh, their, their bodies and, and to stay healthy for as long as they possibly can. All right, so coming up, we're going to have open gym on LeBron being quote-unquote washed. Not my words, not your words. I don't know whose words those were which leads to the conversation. But coming up next, how to appreciate or not appreciate James Harden. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment, including Audible Originals. Audible Originals are stories created exclusively for audio, including documentaries, exclusive audiobooks, scripted shows that you can't hear anywhere else. It keeps you informed, inspired, entertained. You'll finish more stories when you listen with Audible and always be part of the conversation. So with the convenient Audible app, you can listen anytime, anywhere, and on any device, mobile, Alexa-enabled, Bluetooth, anywhere. Listen at the gym, shopping, in the car, traveling. Anytime you can't read, you can listen with Audible, and Audible members get more than ever before. Every month, you can choose one audiobook, regardless of price, as well as two Audible originals from a fresh selection. Members stay motivated and inspired with unlimited access to exclusive guided fitness and meditation programs. You can sign up for free updates from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the app. Audible members can easily exchange any title they don't love at any time. They keep their library of listens forever, even if they cancel. So you can start a 30-day trial, choose one audiobook, plus two Audible originals, absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash NBA audible.com slash locked on NBA or text locked on equals N NBA to 500 500 audible.com slash locked on NBA start a 30 day trial choose one audiobook 
and two Audible originals absolutely free. So Noah, for our rejecting the screen segment, it's typically for something that is sort of commonly held, maybe a, a belief that, or at least what we're sort of hearing in some circles, that and we reject that that logic. And it also works in this case because I want to talk about James Harden, and James Harden is the ultimate reject the screen guy himself as as a as a player. So it works out both ways. Uh, I hear from people quite a bit quite a bit. And it's certainly it's common knowledge. If you go on Twitter, people hate watching James Harden play. Uh, but I hear from people also once in a while that, oh, Harden sucks or the way he plays just it, it isn't right. Don't agree with it. I get sucks from my brother in law. He, he tells me Harden sucks. He's a he's a Warriors fan. So I love you, Sean. But uh, sorry, but you're, you're way off base here. But what I wanted to point out was this idea that what James Harden has done over the last two seasons average at least 35 points a game. Now forget the assist numbers because 35 points and the eight assists that he's had over the last couple of seasons, we haven't even seen that before. It just hasn't happened historically. But specifically as to his scoring 35 points a game, just how difficult it is to score that much and win is the point I want to get to. So I went back and looked, first of all, how many guys in NBA history have scored 35 a game? Wilt Chamberlain did it five times. Michael Jordan did it twice. Kobe did it once. Rick Barry did it once. And Elgin Baylor did it once. Harden is now on his second straight year where he's averaging 35. But the second point of this is the winning. How many times did a guy have at least a 650 winning percentage for a team while he was averaging 35 a game? Wilt did it one time. MJ never, Kobe never, Rick Barry no, Elgin Barrler did it one time. So in other words, twice in NBA history have we seen players average 35 a game and their teams won 65% of the games that they were playing in. And it was one season of Wilt and one of Elgin Baylor, and, and James Harden has done it for the last two seasons. Now, of course, he has to keep up that winning percentage this year and keep up that scoring average, but I'm just pointing out how difficult that is to be the leading scorer. And as you and I talk about all the time, Noah, it is one thing to score a lot of points on a bad team, but to do it on a winning team is exceptional. But we're at the point now, Adam, where it's more than just what he does in a regular season and how many wins that translates to in the regular season because it's a playoff thing. With James Harden. Yes, he's put up big numbers in certain playoff games, but they haven't resulted in getting to the NBA Finals. He's been to the Western Conference Finals. Okay, maybe if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, maybe they do get to the NBA Finals. He had one of the all-time no-shows in the history of the NBA playoffs from an outstanding player and an all-time scorer in the series against the Spurs a few years ago when he was, he was basically shut out and then ends up at a strip club and gets his number retired there a few weeks <laughs> later in Houston. And that's aside from what we saw on Reddit this week with his numbers yes. in strip club cities, which is all time in and of itself. But I, I, but I do want to think about the numbers in the regular season, what he's done even just this year. So his free throw attempts are up from 11 to 15. His threes are up from 13 to 14, but this year's three-point percentage is down from 37 to 30. His field goal percentage is down from 44 to 39. And when I think of James Harden, the greatness during the regular season, and if he was able to continue in the playoffs, 
I go back and think about Allen Iverson and how revered he was for his 2001 season. So when you look in 2001, Iverson was 31, four, five, and or 30, yeah, 31 and a half, five assists. He had uh, four rebounds, two and a half steals. And he actually got to the line 10 times a night. He was the first one to go 31, 10 free throws a night, 42% from the floor, four threes attempted. He was the first one. Since then, LeBron has done it, Kobe's done it, Russ has done it, and James Harden did it last year. So, so we, we revere Iverson for what he did in 2001. And I think a lot of it is that he played through everything. And that's what I do love about James Harden, that he wants to play every game and he's going to play every game. But he has to do it in the playoffs. He has to do it. And it, it's a shame that things have happened around him, injuries, what have you. But he's got to perform the way he does in the regular season in the playoffs. And if that means taking off a few games in the regular season, if that truly is the difference, then that's what he's got to do. Yeah, you bring up a great point. I mean, there's no question the playoff history and certainly his his run against the Warriors. I mean, how bad... Uh, the Rockets looked when they had their all-time horrible shooting game uh, from behind the beyond the arc uh, against the the Warriors a couple of years ago. Uh, we saw it last year in the playoffs uh, where they had the opportunity. Warriors besieged by injuries and and missed the opportunity there to go to the finals. And in a weird way, if it doesn't get done, the other part with James Harden will be the Warriors will have turned into like his version of what the Easter conference sort of faced in, in Michael Jordan, right? Like that, that all those guys, the the Patrick Ewings of the world, uh, the Reggie Millers that didn't get a chance to win a title in large part because, because Jordan was there and it sort of lessened their, their greatness and and the way we view them. Uh, So you're absolutely right. And it has to be done in the playoffs. And then, you know, how about the weird part? He's got the Warriors, you know, nobody was hurt more by the idea that the Warriors added Kevin Durant than probably Harden's legacy. Mm -hmm. But, now the Warriors, you know, disintegrate for a year and and what happens? But the Clippers make their big additions and the Lakers make their big additions. And now he, he's got to face that. And in spite of that, I still believe the Rockets are going to be there in the end. It'll be interesting to see what they can pull off and, and how we'll view his legacy differently if indeed he shows up in the playoffs. But you bring up a great point. And, and what you said about appreciating and, and enjoying watching him, I'm I can't watch every James Harden possession. I I can't do it. I'd prefer to watch cut-ups of James Harden's night and just watch the moves. Right. Am I a millennial because of that? Actually, I actually don't know where I, being almost 38, I don't know where I fall on that. But that's that's what I'd rather watch because I know what's going to happen every time down the floor. And it's, spectacular to see guys on skates and defenders who are up in James Harden and then Harden ends up getting to the basket hitting some sort of crazy shot the level of difficulty is through the roof and he's he's someone who always adds something else to his game but I would just personally rather watch the highlights of James Harden than sit there and watch an entire rocket game yeah, there it's it. I, and I get it from from uh, the perspective of especially if he's having an off night uh, when he has his possessions where it's iso ball, he's dribbling, you know, he's he's dribbling the the leather off the ball, if you will, and then all of a sudden puts up a terrible shot and clanks off the those kinds of possessions. I get where people have a hard time or or the foul hunting as they describe. 
But what what's truly remarkable to me, too, away from the statistics, is this the idea that this guy has worked on his craft so much and his handle is just so special. And he's so good with a few things, one being his balance, two being his footwork. Uh, and then in addition to both of those things, the NBA, as you know, Noah, is all about your counter moves. Everyone's already expecting you to go to your first move. So the defense is prepared for that. And so it becomes a chess match between and any one-on-one setup is, okay, should I go to my second move, my counter move, my third move, my fourth? Because what is the defense expecting? And you're sort of playing that cat, cat and mouse game that, you know, a linebacker plays with a, with a quarterback and so on. And so that to me is what's fascinating. And especially him being a lefty, he's so strong and he's got great control over his body and the, and the footwork, as I mentioned, it makes it really interesting. He's always, always working on that next counter. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. You can choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash LockedOnNBA. LeBron says, people say I'm washed. Who are these people? Open Gym is next. Open Gym, we can roll out the ball and talk about anything we want. This week, we're going to stick to hoops. LeBron had the hashtag washed tweet this week after he had another triple-double. Whatever it takes for certain guys to be motivated, I'm all for. But I thought, Adam, this spoke to the larger conversation that I've had with a lot of media members and some players that these days there's just noise. There's no delineation between what fans are saying on Twitter or on any social media platform or screaming at a game and what the media and the folks who are the beat writers, the comments, the folks who are around the team every day, what they are saying, which is dangerous because players will then take it out on media members saying, you say this, you say this, you say this, when there is no proof of anyone with a mind actually (laughs) saying these things. And it speaks to what they see on television because in locker rooms you have on the major networks, you'll have on first take. And sometimes there's not even a on Fox. Oftentimes there's not even the sound on. They'll just see headlines. And then all of a sudden that turns into people are saying, so I don't blame LeBron for using any of this for motivation. I just think it's dangerous. Yeah, you bring up a good a good point with that. And I I think you and I spoke last year to Bobby Marks, the former Nets assistant GM who then you know has has now become a, a media member and we talked to him about the difference between being a media member and and with the team and he talked about while well, you're with the team you you're in a bubble. And so you 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 have a weird perception of what people are talking about on the outside. And certainly over the last couple of months, well actually his entire career, but, but definitely over the last couple of months, we we've seen that with, with LeBron in particular. I mean, obviously everything that's happened with the China stuff was sort of LeBron was in his own bubble and thought his comments would be perceived one way about, about Daryl Morey. And obviously they, they weren't. And, uh, and that's sort of been his, his whole career. And uh, I know when I first saw LeBron in, in high school, I remember I've watched him a bunch 
playing live. And I remember one time being in a tournament in Lewis, Delaware, the slam dunk to the beach tournament. And LeBron was walking through this hallway and there was maybe 50, 75 media members, other players in the tournament, college coaches, all these people. And everyone stopped and you could hear a pin drop and everyone's watching the kid. Everyone had their eyes on LeBron. And I remember a guy next to me saying to me, how weird must it be? We are all gawking at this kid who's at the time 16, 17 years old. And it's just here he is. But he has this incredible presence about him. And uh, and and I think it's weird that he's been sort of in this bubble. And as you point out, so whether it's a straw man's argument that, that nobody's talking about LeBron being washed, uh, what they are saying, though, and what people did bring up before the season started was that they would expect a decline in production. And for good reason, though, Noah. Like, uh, here's the thing. LeBron James is um, going to be 35 in December. Kobe was four months shy of his 35th birthday when he had his famous Achilles injury. LeBron played 55 games last season. The last three seasons, including this season, we've seen a decrease in two-point field goal percentage, three-point field goal percentage, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding every season. Now, again, this season's a very small sample size. And on the flip side, you can talk about his assist numbers, which are over 10 a game for the first time in his career right now. Mm-hmm. He, he actually, I just tweeted this stat. He had four total 15 assist games while he was in his 20s. As of his game Sunday night, it was LeBron's fourth 15 assist game since he turned 34 which is remarkable. And bottom line is, and part of it is that he's bringing the ball up and actually playing point guard, not just a point forward role. The the big thing is that LeBron has changed his game and he's not doing some of the things he did when he was younger. And certainly age is going to take a toll just like it has on everyone. So it is a factor and it is something we should be talking about and asking about. But the idea that LeBron is washed or that we would have any reason to believe that all of a sudden he's going to be a shell of himself is a joke. And no one was saying that. That's the thing. We weren't hearing that from anyone. Questioning whether his production would go down some enough to keep him out of the finals, that had some legitimacy. Yeah, and on Sirius XM NBA Radio before the season, we were asked to put together the guys that the top 25 list of the players that you would start a franchise with today. I think I had LeBron around 10, and I had and I got killed for having Luca at three. But he had to weigh okay, well. I'm going to take those guys and I'm going to try to win now and also in the future. And it's a balance. And that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a knock on LeBron. It was just the other guys I thought could win now and in five years. Cause I, I had it as a, like a six year window. LeBron isn't like time doesn't catch up to LeBron because I think LeBron is father time that there is no reason to believe that all of a sudden he was just going to, fall off a cliff it's reasonable to expect a continue it a, a continued decline in the numbers but not he's all of a sudden he's not going to become just your average basketball player but can we can we can we get into i think you've have you just discovered the basketball reference play index or this is just something now that you are spending a whole lot more time with because this is it's almost become an addiction it seems i've always uh been obsessed with basketball reference my guy mike lynch works over there I'm a big fan of of his work. Okay, but uh, no, I, I if you look, I'm I'm always into it, and sometimes a little deeper than others. There's no question. Yeah. So so when I have the time, when I have a few moments, I like to dig in and see some things that that maybe people hadn't discovered uh, otherwise. I, I I find some statistics fascinating. But where, but where do you find the time? 
You've got three kids at home, a, a job, and and a pregnant wife. Where where is this time? That's you know that's a great question. Uh, my wife would say that I take it away from her time. That's that's uh, the answer that we always seem to hear. Uh, no maybe nanny. We leave, maybe we leave next week's podcast with that. Yes. No no nanny at at home, Noah. So. You know, we try to we try to find a way, and um, I'm probably <laughs> way way more into my phone and trying to multitask, and ultimately I leave things. Um, you know, I, I when you multitask and part of it is being on your phone, then you're really not paying as much attention to whatever you you should be doing instead of being on your phone. Uh, and I know you're awesome with that, and I appreciate it. You'll literally text me and say, "Hey, gotta go, gotta run." Um, dealing with this now and you focus your attention on that and I admire you for that no it was wild last night I I tweeted about Nico Mannion this Arizona star point guard who's you know potentially future lottery pick he has this pass in the game which I was trying to point out the idea that he was catching the defense napping and that you know he fires this pass from half court and sort of throws this guy open and I, I used the Bob Knight reference about passing where the defense isn't and I, I get up today, Vrasilla had retweeted it, and then I, I get up today and Kyle Anderson like took a shot basically saying the guy was wide open. Why are we giving credit, you know, to this vision? And no, my mentions are just taking a beating right now. I'm just being bashed for this tweet. People telling me how much of an idiot I am, how much I can't see that the guy was wide open. Like my my basketball card was revoked. I didn't even know I had one, so I'm glad to even find out that I had one in the first place. So yeah. Um you know, it it happens on on occasion, but uh, there's <laughs> whatever. It's a great it was a great highlight. You threw a nice pass. <laughs> I gotta understand why people just can't just get accepted for what it is, whatever. And but what Kyle Anderson's not going to compliment an Arizona guy either. He's basically throwing the pass without his own guy even looking. Like he he was throwing the guy open. The guy wasn't even looking yet when he started winding up to throw this pass from half court. So, but he is awesome, Nico Mannion. I suggest. Folks checking them out when you can find their games on Pac-12 Network. But you can also find that tweet from Adam at Naismith Lives on Twitter. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. You can just share this podcast. That's all we ask. Just share it. Let your friends know about it. Spread the word. Rejecting the screen every Tuesday, the two of us chatting 25, 30 minutes. Every Thursday, we go ISO, long-form interview. This week, it's with Doug Gottlieb. Yeah, and and Noah, before we before we go, I just want to make one mention. I have a buddy named Chris Copas who has dealt with a lot. He's actually going through chemo treatments with cancer, and then lost his father on top of that while he's been undergoing this. And and I spoke to him this week at length, and he's he's a big fan of the podcast. He loves what we're doing, and uh, I'm sure he'll be listening to this. And I just wanted to uh, to tell him that I appreciate his strength and courage. It's been it's been inspiring. So I, I had to shout out my buddy Chris, because uh, it, it's been amazing to watch his strength in, in the midst of all this uh, heartache he's dealing with. Man, sorry, Chris. I'm sorry that you've got to go through all of that, but we're glad that we can play a small part in, in making you smile for a little bit every week. Adam, appreciate it. Thanks, pal. You're the best, Noah.